Yeah, so last week Adam spoke on intimacy with God. And this week I was praying about what to speak on and I had a message and then God was like, no, I want you to speak on hearing my voice and talking about that and my journey with that. And so um, that's what I'm going to speak on this morning. This is so dear to my heart on really communing with God because there's no greater intimacy than knowing his heart, than hearing his voice and experiencing him in that way. And so today I want to impart to you some of the things that God's taught me, and I want you to walk away with more tools and how to do that. In John 10, 27 through 28, it says, My own sheep will hear my voice, and I will know each one, and they will follow me. And so many people long to hear God's voice, but they think they, they can or it's impossible, or sometimes we're taught that the only way to hear God today is through the Bible. But there are so many other ways. We see in Scripture that he talked through a donkey. He talked through a burning bush. He talked through nature. He talked through prophets. He talked through Jesus and dreams and visions in so many different ways. And it says, um, I want to read a story of God speaking to Elijah in um, 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13. It says, Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told Elijah. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in a cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And the voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And I love that the God of the universe comes in a gentle whisper. He's coming so gently and speaking to him. And I believe that God is speaking to us all the time. You know, it's just a matter of learning how to hear it and how to commune with him. He's here. He's, he's present all the time with us. He's the God of intimacy and he wants to be known by us. And I just think that's amazing you know, so many times you see in religions where it's like this God is this far off person and we're always bowed low, but it's like the God of the universe desired relationship with us so much that he sent his son to pay the price so that we could come before him through the Holy of Holies into the place of this communion. And like we had communion this morning, he wants that oneness with us. He is moving, he is speaking, and he is here. So I want to give a little bit of my backstory. Um, my parents both met at a Baptist Bible college, and I was raised Baptist into my teens. And so most of my life, even raising your hands was like, don't do that, okay. <laughs> and um, I was taught mostly that the only way that you could really commune with God was through knowing the Word. And I am so thankful for that. I love that I have this um, great biblical knowledge, and I go back to that all the time, and God uses those verses. And the thing was that because I had only learned through God through the Bible, and I didn't really experience Holy Spirit, I, you know, interpreted it through my own filters. And so I was bullied, like, every, we, I went to a different school almost every year, all the way up to grade 12, and I kept getting bullied, and bullied, and bullied, and bullied, and so I, I had a kind of negative look on, on life, very, the, ha the glass is half full, not, or half empty, not half full, and so I, I looked at God, and I kind of put those things on him, you know, like, you don't protect me, you don't 
really like me, you know, all of these things. And so when I looked at the Bible, I would sometimes have these fearful parts of the Bible that I kind of stayed away from, especially Revelations. I remember that verse as a child reading, like, woe is the woman who's, like, nursing or pregnant and, and she's running for the hills or something. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, the world's going to burn and all the, I might be pregnant one day. And I don't know, I was, I was super, <laughs> like, pick all these verses and just, I got really fearful. And so I was like, I'm cool with Jesus, but I'm not sure about you, God. You know, even though Jesus is the exact representation of the Father, right? So that was my experience with God. And then when I think I was about 13, 14 years old, my dad read this book called Surprised by the Power of the Spirit by Jack Deere. And he was in his room and he got down on his knees and he was just crying out for more of God as he was pastoring in this small town in BC. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit fell in the room, and my dad was radically changed. He started speaking in tongues, and the Spirit just came to him, and everything changed. So let's go, family, you know. And so my mom was dragging her feet a little bit, like, I'm not sure about this Lloyd, but dad's like, let's go. He's a go-getter. And so we just change, as you know, those who know him. And so it changed our whole family dynamic. And so I started to see these people experiencing God. And I was like, okay. I remember seeing this, this woman when I went to a conference, and she was always like, whoa, whoa. And I was like, okay. I'm not sure about this, Lord. I'm not sure about this. <laughs> but now it's so normal to me. So, <laughs> But it was, it was this, this, I started to see that there was more, that it wasn't just done away with you know, that it was just for the, you know, New Testament church, but that we don't need these things anymore. I started to see these things in people's lives, and I started to experience hearing God's voice. And from a young age, I always had this sense about people, and I would be very fearful, again, with my, my bad filters, and I would try to protect myself from those people. When my parents would trust people that I saw these things in, they would think I was very judgmental and stuff, and I never understood what the gift of discernment was and how to use it properly. You know, I see these things, and I don't know what to do with them, and I'm really scared. You know, I remember when I was young, I saw that this guy had a thing for little children that was really unhealthy, and so I would be screaming at my parents to keep him away from us, and they thought it was just really bad. You know, and, and now I see that God was showing me things, but it wasn't understood at the time. So... As I began to start to experience the Holy Spirit, it was like all these new things were opened up to me. And I started journaling with God. And um, when I was 16 years old, we made a trip because we were in British Columbia to uh, catch the fire Toronto. And I got filled with the Spirit. And God just began to do all these things in my life. But still, I had all these bad, unhealed filters. I still didn't fully understand the Father's love. And so I would see things and be like, I see this in people, I'm still going to protect myself from it, right? And the thing was, I started journaling, and uh, most of my journaling was like, oh, Lord, is he the one? Oh, Lord. You know, I remember, like, I read back through them, and I'm just laughing my head off. I was just like, oh, God, you know, can you tell me who my husband is? <laughs> And I realized, right, we limit God to our questions. And, and so it's like, God, you can do this and this and this, but this, 
this is what I want from you, and then once you answer that, I'm good. He never really gave me answers, so I was pretty mad about that. (laughs) What I've realized, too, is getting to know his heart is everything. He doesn't just want you to just ask him all these questions. He wants to commune back with you, too. There's so much more to be had. And uh, another thing that I really want you guys to learn is that you can actually say the right things in the wrong spirit. So you can get words for people, but it's said in the wrong spirit. And so um, a really good um, example of this is in Acts 16, 16 through 18. It says, one day as we were going down to a place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the, sp- tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These are servants of the Most High God. They will tell you how you can be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated with her that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus, come out of her, and instantly it left her. So what she was saying was truth. They were servants of the Most High God, and they were coming to tell people how to be saved. But it was she was saying in the wrong spirit, and I realized that. You know, sometimes you might have got a word from God from someone, but their hearts weren't healed up. And so it didn't come out the right way. I remember at school ministry, someone got given a word, and and the guy said, hey, you in the Coke bottle glasses, God has this word for you. And he gave him this amazing word, but all the guy heard was, hey, you in the Coke bottle glasses. And he ended up committing suicide, so... So it just, it's always so good to know God's heart, to know his love, because God is love. And so coming at it from, he's kind, he is good, it's God's kindness that leads man to repentance. God is loving, he is kind, he is good, he is patient, he is long-suffering, he's compassionate. It says in Psalm 145.8, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. I love it in the Passion Translation. It says, You are kind and tenderhearted to those who don't deserve it. You're very patient with the people who fail you, and your love is like a flooding river overflowing its banks with kindness. Isn't that good? And so as I was talking to, it's making sure when we're hearing God's voice that we don't limit him. Like, is he the one? And he, he usually doesn't tell those things. He's just like, do you choose them? Are they right for you? You know, you have a peace. Hmm. I've realized that God cannot be contained. He's out of the box. He's so much bigger. There's so much more than we could ever contain him to. And I've more and more, I've just been like, God, I want you out of the box. I want you out of the box. I'm so sorry for the ways that I've tried to control how you speak and, and tried to only get from you what I want instead of pursuing your heart and who you are, because he wants that with us. It says that God wants friendship. One of the most amazing things that I heard about this was when Isabel Allen was at our school of ministry, and she said this, we come to God with certain questions, and then we stop talking to him when he has so many other things to tell us. Isn't that good? But we limit him to our questions. So it's realizing, I realized so much that I limited him to those small portions of my life. And I've gotten more like, God, you know, I, I ask him these things. And then I'm like, what's your, on your heart today? What's on your heart for me? And he loves that. Another thing that I want to talk about is how people can get stuck in wanting God to tell them their every move. 
So I'm not going to move unless you tell me. And I was like this. And I've actually talked recently to a friend of mine, and she has stopped listening to God's voice because God didn't tell her what to do in, in a situation. And it breaks my heart. And I remember I was talking to Melissa recently, and when I was 17 years old, there was this um, summer camp that was a horse camp. And I remember asking God, should I go? Should I not? Should I be a counselor there or not? And I was like paralyzed and I won't do it unless you say. And God never gave me a clear answer. And so I said no, because I was so afraid that it would be the wrong choice. And I remember Melissa was like, I wish you were there with me because she went and did it and I didn't. And she's like, you know, she was 14, I was 17. She's like, you know, I didn't always feel safe there. And it would have been really nice to have you around. And I, and I feel like that could have been such an amazing opportunity in my life that I could have had instead of roofing for my uncle <laughs> all summer. It's like, well, there's nothing for me to do. I guess I'll roof. And let me tell you, it was one of the worst summers of my life. <laughs> uh. God wanted me to step out and make the choice. And I, I was walking with the Lord the other day on a prayer walk, and I heard him say, Amy, I don't make puppets. I make powerful people. And I was like, oh, that's good. I don't make puppets. I make powerful people. And he was like, if you are a parent, there's a time when your kids are little where you're like, even when they're little, though, but you're like, don't do this, don't do that. But there's even a point where you want them to be able to do it when you're not around. You know, be able to make those choices. You want your kids to be powerful adults. And so you're raising them with these guidelines and teaching them, but you want them to make their choices. You're with them, you're for them, but you want them to make the right choices. And that's God. And I think if, if you had a friend who all they ever did was like, do this, don't do that, you should do this, they wouldn't be the best friend, I would say. You know, that's control. And so I, I've realized more and more in my relationship with God, he's like, what do you want? Walk with this in me. We're together. I'm with you. It's something that actually really freed me up from all of this stuff is when I went to um, a Catch the Fire conference and Banny Leapshire from Jesus Culture was speaking. And he was like, you're not so important that God has to make your every decision. I was like, oh. He was like, if you're going to make a really bad decision, God's going to let you know. Or if he really wants you to do something, he's going to let you know. But like, live your life with him. And I can't tell you actually how that changed my life and freed me. And I stopped being like, what should I do, Lord, in every situation? Driving him nuts, I'm sure. <laughs> ah, I called you to be powerful and not puppets. It was one of those boom moments. I love that. I was like, that's an Amy quote. No, never mind. That's a God quote. <laughs> he doesn't want us to have a slave mentality where a master tells you what to do all the time. He wants you to be sons and daughters and friends. Hmm. I remember when we felt like we were supposed to plant a church in Wasega Beach, of course, because of the beach. And all of a sudden, God was like, no, and we felt no peace, and all the doors shut in our face. And I remember being like, well, then what do you want, God? And he's just like, wait on me. Yep. And I remember why I even looked through those God journals and I'm like, Lord, I'm struggling. I don't know what to do. Like, I'm just like in limbo and I hate this, you know? And God was just like, wait on me. Trust me. And eventually he started to give us dreams of Kitchener Waterloo. 
But we thought that we would just come and the church would just pop. Here it is, and it's amazing. And we didn't know that we'd go through four years of intense struggle where we couldn't even find a building. And everyone was like, are they ever going to get a building? And so many times I went to God, did I even hear you? I don't know. And God would just say, trust me, press in, keep going. It wasn't like this big, all this, do this, this, and this. Trust me, press in, keep going. So many times I remember like, Adam, call Stephen Sandra Long. Tell them I quit. <laughs> and then he's like, go have some God time. And then I come out, yeah, he told me, trust him, press in, keep going. So that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> uh, but I realize in those four years of intense struggle, I went through the fire and I came out a different person than I would have been if the church had just started like that. <sighs> he brought the right people at the right time. Certain people wouldn't be here if we didn't start four years later in a building. It's just fascinating to me, God's timing how we just don't understand it. But then later on, you're like, oh, that's what you were doing. I get it, right? So it's, it's, it's just trust. It's just trusting him and getting closer and closer to his heart and saying, I remember one of the things that God did through those four years of struggle was, I want you more than I ever want to have a church. If it never happens, I want you. And then God opens the doors, right? <laughs> So good. And the thing is, if he had told me how much of a struggle those four years would have been, I'm not sure I would have said yes. So there's that. <laughs> God says so much lately to me, what do you want? It's your choice when we so badly just want him to tell us, right? I remember when we were thinking of having a fourth. And I was like, Lord, should I have a fourth? And I was like, a uh, uh, strong no. And then people started coming to me bit by bit, which is obviously the Lord now that I see it. But like, I couldn't lay down the fourth. You're, you know, I feel like you're meant to have a fourth. And I was like, blasphemy! You know, all of that. And I come home angry at, with Adam, like, all these people telling me they should leave me alone. I can have three and that's fine. But God began to do something in me. And I remember having this long time with the Lord being like, Lord, tell me, should I have a fourth? Should I have a fourth? And if it's a girl, then maybe I'll have a fourth as he can have a sister and all of these things. And I finally heard God say, it's your choice. Of course, I want you to have another child, but it's your choice. Do you want to? And you don't have to. And I was like, well, that's not, like, tell me he has some crazy destiny or a she and you must have this child or else, you know? But I realized that God was like, I don't want to be blamed when you're sick in bed and in labor. That's Adam, right? That's right. You did this to me. <laughs> but then he's born and it's all worth it. It's all worth it. <laughs> Oh, recently John had a post on Facebook. As I was thinking about all of these things, uh, he posted this post, and I was like, that's it. It's so good. So I wanted to share it this morning. It says, every time I've asked God what to do with my life as I've entered this transitional season, he's told me to do what I want to do and that he'll be with me. This was not... 
This has not always felt like helpful, a helpful response. After all, isn't it kind to be clear? But as I pursue the promises of God for obvious reasons, the exodus has been on my mind. Though I often feel driven by a compulsion to be productive with my time and energy, I wonder if it is more important and perhaps crucially pivotal to pause the brick and mortar mixing and the sheep chasing so that I can open my eyes to the burning wonder around me, remove my (laughs) productivity protectors, my sandals, and simply meet with God. I believe this can be done in the moments great and small in every day, but sometimes the recalibration is more of a 40 days and 40 nights affair. As I confront my uncertainties and fears, submitting them to the fire of God, I am encouraged and challenged that God addressed Moses' apprehensions with the exact same words, I will be with you. That's wonderfully clear and uncompromisingly kind. So that all being said, God is continually talking to you and with you. And he is not usually telling you what to do as much as he wants a relationship with you. I loved how John said that. So good. There's seasons in my life where God has been super specific, and there's other seasons where it is one-word answers like, trust, just trust me. And there's other times where he's just like, I love you, I love you, I love you. And I'm like, I know you love me. (laughs) And I'm like, yes, thanks for that. Like, give me some more, give me some more, God. And he's just like, I love you. But when I take time to finally pause and soak that in, I realize that I've been dealing with rejection again and I've been feeling down to myself and he wants it to go deep. And that's exactly what I need. Hmm. He wants to combat those things with his love. Remember when Adam got saved, he would, every time we'd have church or a prayer meeting, he would just laugh and laugh and laugh and sometimes laugh into a pillow so he wouldn't be so distracting. And he just kept laughing. And when we were at school of ministry, all of a sudden, the laughter just stopped. And he was like, God, are like we not close anymore? Like, what's going on? And he was kind of like really confused. And all of a sudden, he heard God say, I had to heal you from all the pain of your past with that laughter. But now you're healed and you're coming into a new season. And I was like, oh. Hmm. Another way that God speaks to us is through community. Jesus is in the people around us, right? So it's having those people in my life. I can't tell you how many times I've just been like so in it that I can't hear, right? You're just like, I, I am so invested one way or the other and I'm so struggling. Can you just be Jesus to me? And I'll make that phone call. I'll call that person out. I'll go meet them and they'll just pour into me and be Jesus to me. Community is so, so vital. I mean, we're called to be a body, not just a finger, not just a neck, not just a foot, right? We're called to be that, to lift each other up. When one is weak, the other lifts the other one up. Mm. If you want to hear God's voice better, surround yourself with people who hear his voice, right? Another thing that's so vital that I've learned is the willingness to always be wrong that I could have got this wrong. And so when I speak over someone and give them a word that I feel like God's giving me, I don't say, thus saith the Lord. And the Lord says, I say, I feel like God is saying. 
because we're called to test our prophecies. We're called to, you know, line them up with God's word. And there have been times where someone has come to me with a word from God, and I'm like, that is not God. But there's this total unwillingness to, to take that. And so it's always knowing that we prophesy in part and we can get it wrong. And, and something that they've encouraged us is, if it's life-giving, if it's loving, go for it. You know, go for it. But it's just that willingness to be like, okay, like maybe they weren't supposed to marry that person. Maybe I was wrong that, you know, and being willing to just say I'm sorry, you know. Hmm. And it's so good to be teachable in hearing God's voice. To, to come and just, can you help me? I'm, I'm working on this and, and learning. It's a learning process. And being always re- ready to humble yourself before God. Another thing I wanted to talk on with hearing God's voice is hearing God's voice through an idol. So it's like, God, what am I supposed to do? But all you see is this problem in front of you. And God's on the other side trying to speak to you, but this is all you can see. So you're not hearing God properly because this is blocking your view all the time. And so a lot of times when I'm trying to hear God's voice, I'm like, this is what I want, but I'm laying it down. I'm laying it all down before you. My, what I want or all of these issues, just come and speak to me. You know, tell me what you want, even if it's completely contrary to what I want to hear. Hmm. And I find it's really hard. And this is where a lot of people like sometimes stop talking to God because they couldn't hear him on a really hard situation because their hearts are so invested, they can't hear clearly. And so that's why community, again, is another one to just have around you, to pour in you, to be sounding boards, to be able to speak into your life when you are so invested in that thing. Hmm. Especially when choosing a spouse. I think, too, Danny Silk says he won't marry people unless they both say, I choose that person. Because he's like, for the rest of your life, you are going to be choosing them. There will be times when you don't even like them, and you have to choose them. So it's not like the Lord say. You know, and there are those moments. I've heard those, like, amazing moments. But there is that, I choose you, I choose you, I choose you. Hmm. I remember reading about a man who came to Mother Teresa and he was like, can you pray for me for clarity? And, he was like, and she was like, no. And he was like, what? And she's like, I won't pray for clarity for you because God wants you to trust him. And it's that ruthless trust. It's a book by Brennan Manning. It's so good. The ruthless trust. God doesn't want to tell you everything. Sometimes he just needs you to trust him. He didn't want to tell me what a struggle the four years would be. He wanted me to trust him because through the pain and the struggle, he was going to bring me out stronger and more beautiful because I kept laying down my life for him. Hmm. Hmm. Keep going and trust him. God's timing isn't our own, is it? <laughs> Rarely ever is God's timing line up with ours, but it's again, I trust you, I trust you. One of the number one ways they say that God speaks to us is through a sense and through an intuition. So a lot of times I tell people, follow the peace. If you have peace about this, you know, go for it. I remember when we were thinking about buying a house and we saw saw this rental property in Wellesley and Adam was like, as 
the man, I got to provide a house for my family and like we have to find this now and we have a month before we have to find a house and he was freaking out. So he was freaking out through an idol, not hearing God's voice properly. And so he was like, done, we're signing the lease, we're going to do this. And I was like, no, I feel like this bad feeling in the pit of my stomach. I know it's wrong. And he was like, even getting the kids, tell mommy this is the house for us. And I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> no, I was like, I don't have peace. I don't have peace, hun. I can't do this. So we ended up letting it pass, even though we weren't fully in agreement, but I knew it wasn't right. And God opened the doors for the house that we have now. And even then, here's, here's I had faith for a mansion. God, you can give me a mansion. <laughs> God, you can give me this house with a huge backyard and an in, uh, you know, in-ground swimming pool. You know, I had the faith. I, I did. And I remember someone coming to me who was totally objective and saying, God told me to tell you that this house you're not going to love. <laughs> Thanks. But it will become your paradise. And God's going to teach you things through this house. And I was like, okay. The house we bought, I didn't even really like it. And I was like struggling and we began to paint it and do, you know, all of our do-it-yourself wood things that Adam and I do in copper and make it industrial and did different things. And it was so much smaller than our other house at the time. We had to get rid of so much stuff. There's no garage. There's hardly any storage. There's one little linen closet in the upstairs. And it was like purging all the stuff. But because I had moved around so much growing up, I held on to things. And God taught me to like let go and let go. And now I'm like, what can I purge? <laughs> but it's like more and more God's just like, I have you where I want you. And now it's like, we know all our neighbors and all of our kids play together till it's dark every single night. And it's become our paradise. It's not this big house that I expected, but it's become this special place. And God knew what we needed more than we knew. Hmm. He's going to give you a sense about uh, and a peace about something that he has for you. Another one is really training your minds to be still and listen for that gentle whisper. And it's, it is hard in this day and age. There's so many distractions. It's like, oh, I could just scroll through. I could just do all of these things. But it's taking that time out to be still and know that I am God, to be still and hear his voice. And Mark Verkler, um, he teaches on the four keys to hearing God's voice. And he has a whole um, a whole curriculum on it and stuff, and it's really good. And I, I ended up going to his um, teaching when I was 20, and it was so good. And then he does the first week of every school of ministry at Toronto. He teaches all the students how to hear his, his voice. And it was so helpful to me, and he really goes in into it deep. And I ended up buying his curriculum, and, and he has YouTube videos that you can watch as well. And he broke it, out, broke it down to four keys, and the first one is to quiet yourself down. Go to a quiet place and then submit your thoughts to Jesus. The number two is to fix your gaze on Jesus. A lot of times when he was doing it, he'd be like, close your eyes, picture yourself with Jesus at the Sea of Galilee and just chat with him. And the number three is to tune into your spontaneous thoughts, the flow of your thoughts. So you just start to, okay, do you love me? And you just hear what starts to come into your mind. And number four is to write it down, which is so vital because you can go back and get encouragement from it. You can submit it to someone if you're not sure about it. It's so good. 
And a lot of times, a lot of people who do this at first are like, but it sounds like me. I don't know if it's God. Is it me? Is it God? You know, and the more that you do it, the more that you realize that it's God. And, and the thing is that God speaks to us in the way that we think, too. So it's good to keep pushing past and listening and listening. And over time, it becomes more natural, and you'll be able to just dialogue naturally with God throughout the day. Like, I'll just be doing whatever, walking, and all of a sudden I'll be like, God, how do you feel about me today? And he's just like, you're amazing. I love you. And that thought just pops in my head. And I'll just be doing dishes, and I'll get thoughts that pop in my head, and just recognizing now, after doing it for, you know, continually pressing in, you just start to recognize, oh, that's God talking to me. And it's always good to test it with the Bible. Does it line up with God's heart? Is it loving? Is it kind? Does it bring me life? And there's oh, another one that's big is, God doesn't condemn us. He convicts us. So it's always out of love because God is a God of love. He's not like, shame on you. You did that. You sinner. He's like, that's not good for you. Like, don't do that. I love you. There's something better for you. That's the difference. I remember once hearing in my head when I was at school of ministry, um, there were three other couples there with us, and the rest were single students. And the other three couples were not able to have children. And Adam and I were there with Aslan, and I felt this burden for them all the time of like, God, I want them to have kids so bad. And all of a sudden I heard in my head, will you give up being able to have any more children if you can just like give your children away to them? Like, or let, like would you sacrifice having any more kids so that they could have some? And I was like, all of a sudden I was like thinking, of course I would. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait a second. God is a God of abundance. He is more than enough. He's not a God of lack, and he can give them children and me more children, and I just like broke that off. And then my school leader ended up telling me a few days later when I told her that, she was like, there was a man who came in to the leader's school, and he was in his 60s, and he had heard a voice that came to him and said, do you want to be deaf or blind? And he said, I don't want to be blind. I'd rather be deaf. And he started going deaf, and when they found that out, he was, a, he was like a small child. And they broke it off of him, and instantly he could hear. And so it's like recognizing the voices. The enemy will twist the truth. The enemy will say things that don't line up with the Bible. Is that really God? Is he really good? You know. So the key to all of this is just going after God's heart and getting to know who he is more and more and more. So it is diving into the Bible and seeing his heart and asking the Holy Spirit to show you who he is because he longs to reveal himself to his children. God is love. And a great place to start if you've never been hearing God's voice is to say things like, how do you feel about me? What do you want to say to me today? Or what's one word you have for me? He has so much for you, and he's excited to take you all deeper into his heart. And I love that. There's never a limit. There's so much. And he's created us for this. He's created us for this intimacy. He wants to whisper to you to speak through your thoughts, your feelings, your impressions, and his word. He wants to speak to you through the people around you and through his creation. The God of the universe desires intimacy, and he's calling to each of us, into me, see. Let's pray. Mm. Yeah, God, I just thank you so much for who you are. 
that you are a God that is after our hearts, but you are also a God who wants us to be after yours. Adam said last week, I don't want to be so much after the healings that I'm not after the healer. I don't want to be so after prophesying and doing all these things in your name, but not know you. God, we want to know you and know your heart. God, I just pray that there would be just a whole new anointing to hear your voice, to feel you, to sense you, to see you, to hear you. God, I pray that you would help us to learn how to get rid of distractions so we can be still in your presence. That we would fight for the community around us to be the ones that lift us up and be Jesus to us. That we would take the time to invest in community, in your body. God, take us deeper into your heart. I pray that each and every person here, it would become such a natural thing of just hearing your voice in their daily life. And God, I pray that we would not limit to you, limit you to our questions, but that we'd be after, well, what are you feeling today? What do you have to say to me? I want to know your heart. And the amazing thing is all this in all this is he just makes us more like him when we press in. He changes us, he transforms our lives with his love and his voice. God, I pray for each and every one of us for a gift of discernment to discern between your voice and the voice of the enemy. And God, I just pray for doubt, all doubt that would come and say, you can't hear his voice. I just pray that that would be broken in Jesus' name for his sheep hear his voice. I just ask for breakthrough. That we would quiet ourselves down, fix our gaze on Jesus, tune into the thoughts that are flowing, and that we would take the time to write it down.